Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. A couple weeks ago, we opened up um, a new direction we want to go as far as uh, our spiritual gifting and our talents. We've all been given gifts and talents. And uh, we just feel that this is the season to really make sure that God's people are equipped to be able to uh, operate and work and live and give their spiritual gifting and their talents in such a way that it affects the world we live in. And... uh, Along with that, Nancy and I uh, shared that together, co-sharing. I had such fun with that, I thought we'd do it again. Uh, And in fact, it was so effectual that last week, Pastor Vic and Robert shared together. So I think we're we're in the season of either double portion or, uh, um, yeah, that'll be it. (laughs) I really like co-sharing with my wife. Uh, Part of the reason for that, and I'll keep this, my my part brief, is uh, that afterwards I got a lot of comments about the message, and many of them were things that she said, but they attributed it to me. And I I just was very gracious, very gracious about giving my wife recognition, and I would say, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Um, in fact, it says when you're married that uh, you're one. And that's a wonderful thing about spiritual gifting. Uh, you've got different gifts, but they can really operate in some great unity. Or you can find them to be a, a blessed irritation. It's your choice. It really is. But two are better than one, for when one falls, the other is there to pick him up. Also last week, uh, there was a a word of prophecy given. Um, Nancy gave a word of prophecy. The Bible tells us that we're to judge prophetic words. And um, when you find that prophetic word is right... We as a church need to buy into that and lean into it, pray into it, and put action behind it. Um, About a year ago, maybe longer than that, I've lost concept of time. I don't know why. Yesterday can seem like forever, and forever can seem like yesterday. I'm kind of entering into eternity here. Um, But... uh, I heard a word spoken, I grabbed it for myself. I said, that is for me, that is for us, that is for what my desire for this church is. And it's so exciting, I see it coming to pass. But I prayed into that, I grabbed onto it, and I began to put action behind it. 
And that's what you need to do when you hear a prophetic word and that word's been judged and looked at and said, yes, this is a word that I, that I want to get behind. And I believe Nancy's going to speak on that this morning. I want to lay, again, a little foundation to what she's going to speak on. I believe the church for the past couple of generations has created an atmosphere of entertainment rather than an atmosphere of equipping. We have some people here that have served in the military. You were given uh, implements of war and you were trained on how to use them. If you had just been entertained and sent into a firefight, you most likely wouldn't be here this morning. But because you were trained with the equipment that you were given, you were able to fight the good fight. And that's what the scripture refers to, fight the good fight. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Entertainment is not going to be the answer to today's world's problems. Amen. It's going to be a church that's operating. And when I say church, don't think building, don't think group, don't think a huge bunch of people out there. Think of yourself. You, you are the church. But the church to meet the difficult problems that are facing people's lives today needs to be equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's given you individually. Each and every one of you has been given a gift from God individually that operates within your sphere of influence and even greater than that. I believe our gifts are absolutely essential to this upcoming generation that they might receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to start this morning in Psalms, chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They do not stand around. They do not um, follow the advice of, and they do not join in with. Yeah. If you're not doing those things, what are you? You're your own person. You're your own influencer. You're walking in a different realm. You see, what's being addressed here is the realm of this world, the spiritual entities of this world. And if you're not partaking of those things, if you're not uh, taking the advice of this world, if you're not taking, uh, standing around with this world, and you're not joining in with mockers, then you're your own person. Your identity is intact in Christ. When you set yourself to begin to step out in your spiritual gifts and your talents, the first thing that will happen to you is you'll run into this. 
spirit of this world that I just talked about. Advice of the wicked. Standing around, just, you can't, you have no power here. You have no influence here. How are you going to affect the world? And mockers. In fact, mocking, I believe, is one of the most prevalent spirits that operates in a Christian's life or wants to operate. The first time you try to do anything for the Lord, you're going to be hit with a demonic influence, a demonic prince, uh, a spirit that says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? Some of you got that. When you pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will be resisted by a mocking spirit. A mocking spirit is very alive and very prevalent and very active. Um, I'm going to give a couple quick examples, then turn it over to Nancy. Uh, an example is David. I didn't have this until a minute ago when I saw one of our young, young kids up here. He had a crown on and he's dancing. And all of a sudden it just hit me. David dancing before the Lord. He's dancing before the Lord. He's so into just worshiping his God. And the first thing that happens is his wife mocks him. But he had a beautiful answer. You see, when a mocking spirit comes, we can have the right answers. He had the right answer. He says, oh, you think this is dignified? In today's lingo, hold my beer. says, I will be more dignified, un undignified than this. I love that. It was a great answer. Let's look at Job uh, 1, verse 22. It says that Job, I'm just going to go through it quickly. It says Job was upright and righteous and blameless. Maybe it's up there. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God says he was blameless, and yet his friends were always mocking his righteousness. In fact, at one point in time, Job says uh, later on in chapter 17, he says, I'm surrounded with mockers. So I just want to say this, a mocking spirit is uh, one that will tell you how your marriage should be by someone else. They'll, they'll find a mocking spirit is, we were talking about gifts two weeks ago. Uh, somebody told me one time they had the gift of finding the flaws and the faults in the church. And I said, that's not a special gift. Every one of us has it. Uh, but a mocking spirit will tell you your marriage isn't what it needs to be. You need to... Uh, be like mine. A mocking spirit is usually comes through an individual who's always right or trying to prove themselves right or is jealous, envious of your gift. And it will come and say, well, why, you know, who do you think you are? You know, you need to really get your life together before you should do this. You need to be, God doesn't work in that realm. God works in the opposite. He says, Gideon 
thou mighty man of valor. He did not look like a man of valor at that moment at all. So I want to, I'm going to probably delve into that a little further in the future about uh, the resistance that comes to us when we begin to step out in our giftings. I don't want that to be the focus this morning. I want the focus to be on, on those giftings and uh, whatever my wife has to share on that. You want to come up? And um, just be aware of it. Be aware of it. Uh, be aware that from a very young age, you were told you couldn't do things that, that really you could do. Um, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you, Timothy, because of your age. You know, we have a young pastor here, Pastor Vic. Amen. You know, and I say the same thing to you. Do not let anybody look down on you, right. mock you, make you feel less because of your age. Because you have been tried and tested and proven and gifted. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Good introduction. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I'm going to take a, a moment here to pray. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here in our midst, Lord God. We just thank you that your Holy Spirit resides here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've chosen to be with us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're undeserving, and yet you have chosen to be here with us. So now, Lord, I just give this time to you. I just pray that you continue to uh, speak to us about your gifts, Lord, and that you uh, use me this morning to speak on that. I yield to you now. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so uh, Bob Bergeron is going to be passing out copies of the prophetic word from last Sunday, which I'm going to share on. If anybody wants one, just raise your hand. If we don't have enough, we might have to pass some out. Anyway, and uh, the uh, scripture that I have to go along with this, let's see, am I going to read that first? Yeah, I think I, it's Ruth. Do I have that up there, Ruth? Title of the message is, there's a place for us, and the scripture is in Ruth 1. <laughs> We're calling in. Recruits back there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So uh, Ruth was a, um, there it is, there's a place for you. First of all, I'm going to give a little bit of history on this title. So we went to uh, Seward this week, past weekend, saw Sandra and, and her cousin down there. It was very nice to see them. Anyway, um, if you think I got suntan, this is really windburn. <laughs> Because that's what I did. It howled. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was uh, sleeping in our camper on, I believe it was Thursday night that this happened. Yeah, because Friday night we lost electricity in the camper, so we didn't have any heat. So I know he didn't speak to me Friday night because I was shivering cold. <laughs> it was Thursday night. Anyway, and I kept praying in the spirit, and the Lord kept telling me, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. So I thought, what does, what does that mean? Does that have to do with what I'm going to speak on, Lord? And he said, yes, I want you to tell my people there's a place for you. Okay, and that goes to each person here, man, woman, and child. There's a place for you because it's about all of us. There isn't one person that can do anything, okay? 
And if you think you can do everything, you're wrong. You need to have a little bit of humility, okay? Because <laughs> the Lord put the body of Christ together with many parts to make up the body. Not one part, many parts, okay? So anyway, um, that's how I got the title of this message. There's a place for you. I already left. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, I thought that was great what Larissa put up there because once we get this back up again, there was a picture of the guys out working on the side of the church yesterday, which that was great. That's working unity, the body of Christ working together. And I thought it was interesting, too, the timing on that because the Lord spoke in this, this prophetic word about how he's laying a foundation for the next move of the Spirit. So these people were here at work and, you know, working on the foundation. I think that's great. That's the spirit of the Lord moving. Okay, so in Ruth 1, verse 16, let me give you a little bit of history here. Um, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, had um, uh, lost her husband, and her daughter-in-law had lost her husband, and they had two sons, okay? So two of them lost Malan and Chilean, they died, and this woman, Naomi, survived her two sons, okay? So she arose with her daughters and was leaving. She was returning from the country of Moab, for she heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Okay, now back in that time, Moab and Israel were two different cultures, okay? So they were not friendly to one another. So just the fact that Ruth was willing to go with her and go back there, being that uh, she was a Moabite. This is, this is a, a challenging relationship because ethnically they were divided against one another, Moab and Israel, okay? But the Lord had spoken to Ruth, and she was raised by Naomi to fear the Lord. So she was somebody who knew Yahweh. She knew the Lord, okay? And um, the other daughter, Oprah, which this is nothing against her. This is just what she was supposed to do. She said, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go. They lifted up their voices and wept, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her, okay? And then in 15, Naomi says, she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Another word for entreat is urge. I urge you, don't let me leave you to, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord also do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth had a tenacity. She had a tenacity that was from the Lord. She was determined to follow the Lord, regardless of the cultural differences. Okay, and there's a lot that can be said about cultural differences. What people do in one country, they don't do in the other. So forging these two cultures together was a pretty big thing. It wasn't an easy thing that she entered into. But she knew the Lord had spoken to her. So she had that tenacity of spirit in her. And that is what it takes in us if we're going to follow the Lord. We need to have our ear attuned to the Holy Spirit. And regardless of what anybody says, friends family, other believers, we have to do what God's telling us to do. Otherwise, we will never fulfill the commission that the Lord's called us to. Each one of you have a specific calling that the Lord has called you to, okay? And it's different than my calling. We're not all the same. If we were all the same, the Lord wouldn't need to give us all different gifts, okay? So Ruth's primary virtue is tenacity to purpose. She was a woman who was steadfast, okay? She was steadfast in the face of adversity. And because of this, she re resulted in the marriage to Boaz and the birth of Obed, who became the father of Jesse, whose son was David the king. 
And moreover, since Jesse, or Jesus was born at the seed of David, we see how Ruth, the alien Moabite, she was an alien Moabitess, she became part of the lineage of the Messiah, of Jesus, because she was faithful. God led her to Boaz. She married Boaz. Boaz gave birth to Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse, and that was the line from which Jesus came. So this is a pretty important thing. This is not a minor detail here in the Bible. In fact, Ruth is considered one of the crown books of the Old Testament by many people because of all of the, um, uh, just all the things that happen in, in the, uh, the uh, what do I want to say? The line leading to the Messiah's royal and endless rule. It's significant, okay? It's very significant. It's also very emotionally gripping. You know, the story is, is not an easy story because, you know, she loses her husband, then both her daughters lose their, lose their husbands, and yet God has a plan in all this, okay? So I guess I'm saying that to encourage us that we don't use, lose heart in the midst of what the God, God's calling us to do. Let's flip over to 2 Kings. We got that up there. 2 Kings, verse 2, 1. See where that marked in here. This is a scripture off of that particular verse in Ruth, and it's about Elijah and Elisha. And it's a similar thing. Elisha knew that Elijah was going to be taken up. He was going to be taken up by the Lord because the Lord had spoken to him about that. And Elijah was a, a great prophet, but his time had come to go home to be with the Lord. Elisha wanted that anointing of the Lord, okay? He wanted that gifting of prophet, but he, he had to keep his eye on him. The Lord told him not to leave him to keep his eye on him. So in verse 2, it says, well, let's start with verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Okay, and then again down in verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here in this place, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, no, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. And again, as you go down to 6, it happens again. And then the 50 sons of the prophets were there. They're standing off in the distance watching all this. Elijah took off his banner and rolled it up, struck the water, divided it on dry ground. They crossed over, and again, he said, he said, this time he said to Elijah, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Because he endured. He was tenacious. He didn't give up, okay? And because of that, he saw, over the next verse, he saw Elijah being taken up to heaven, and his mantle fell down upon Elisha. And Elisha had the anointing of prophet because he did not give up. Okay, and that, I believe, is an important part of what the Lord's speaking to us. Now, I'm going to uh, go to the prophetic word, if you have it. Or you can follow along. I'm going to share it right now. It says, yes, I am here, my sons and daughters. I am here. As you yield to me this day, I will meet you right where you are. Whatever your need is, whatever is going on in your life, for there's nothing too big for me, says the Spirit of God. For I reside in this place, and I am about to break out here in a mighty way, says the Spirit of God. The lost will be coming in here in droves because my spirit abides here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that your spirit abides here. Amen? I delight to dwell in this place because you have allowed my spirit to move. My Holy Spirit is not allowed to move everywhere, but here I'm allowed to move. I'm going to do mighty works here, and miracles will come forth from here. 
As you yield to me this day, because I am here, says the Spirit of God, I will touch you and I will heal you. I will move you forward into the place I have you for you, for this is my house. I establish this house here in the valley for my plans and purposes, says the Lord, and they will not be denied, for I abide here and I will move here. Now, that is a promise to us as a, a building, a house, a church. He's speaking to us. He says he established his place. He's going to have his way here. Yay. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And then he said, the foundation is being laid now for the next move of the Spirit. As you yield to me and give yourself to me, you will be a part of that, and I'll raise you up to do mighty things, says the Spirit of God. And then he said, I'm not done here. It's only just begun. Whoa, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> That's pretty exciting. Okay, so in this uh, word, there's a couple of points that I want to bring out that he made. First of all, it's only just begun. The next move of the Holy Spirit is about to happen. So we are on the cusp of that. I think that's amazing. I think that's really exciting. Now, those of you who don't know our history, we've had uh, moves of the Spirit here before. In fact, one time we had two services going, or was it three services? I can't remember. place was completely packed out. The Holy Spirit was moving in the valley. We had all the churches meeting here. We were staying up all night. It was crazy. Revival was happening, okay? That was one of the moves that happened here. There's been other moves that have happened since then, okay? It's kind of an ebb and a flow. That's the way the Lord moves. We've always been ascending church, so we've always sent people out from here to other places. That's part of who we are. Okay, our, our name, our corporate name before we changed the church name to Whitefields Harvest was Gospel Outreach. Go. Go and preach the gospel. Okay? And that, that, is our, that is our underneath calling in the spirit. Okay? So there's about to be another move in the spirit here. What does that mean? Upset the fruit basket. Upset the fruit basket. I remember when the Holy Spirit was moving before, there was just crazy things happening. The, the Lord said in that word, he said, there's going to be miracles happen here, mighty moves of the Spirit. That doesn't happen by the flesh of man. That happens by the moving of the Holy Spirit. So we have to, if we want to, if we want that to happen in this place, we've got to yield to the Holy Spirit, okay? That means that each one of you individually needs to do what the Lord is calling you to do. Regardless if your best friend is saying, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not your calling. You know, if God calls you to do it, who cares what they say? Even as one of your family members, you know, what if, what if one of your family members says that? You know, your, I don't know, your father, mother, sister, brother says, you can't do that. That's not who you're called to be. Well, just tell them, look, God's called me to do this. I'm going to do this. I don't care what you say. That is the tenacity and the attitude we have to have because otherwise we will never do what God's calling us to do. Okay, so I said, it's only just begun. The next one's about to happen. The foundation is being laid now. That means, to me, that means the foundation in the spirit is being laid. Obviously, the foundation of this building is here. We wouldn't be in it, right? It's there. It's been there. This is a foundation in the spirit he's talking about, okay? So that is being laid right now. What are the requirements? Yielding to the Lord, giving yourself to him. He is preparing us for the harvest. And this was also back in the word he gave to us back in January for the year, that there was going to be a great harvest. It was going to start happening this year. So this is confirmation of that, okay? So we need to be ready. Okay, how do we do that? 
When we were talking a couple weeks ago and I was laying out the nine gifts of the Spirit, uh, and I mentioned each one and gave a brief description. Okay, so how do, how do we know what that is? What is my gift? How do we know that? Well, a lot of it has to do with stepping out in faith. As we learn to listen to him and then act on it, act on what he's telling us to do, then we begin to see what our gifting is or may not be, you know, or may not be. And I, I think when I was uh, sharing a couple weeks about the gift of healing, I was thinking that was my main gift because I wanted the gift of healing. Everybody wants the gift of healing, right? Well, it turns out that's not my main gift. Yeah, the Lord uses me in it from time to time, but that's not my main gift. My main gift is prophesying, you know, and speaking words to people, which isn't always appreciated. <laughs> but you got to do what the Lord calls you to do, right? Okay, so... Anyway, it may not be the popular way of doing anything, and it might not be the latest craze of the day, what God's calling you to do, or even the conventional way of thinking. There's a conventional way of thinking in this country. That doesn't mean that's necessarily God's plan, okay? That's the, the way of thinking of the world, like Mark was talking about earlier. But we are not of this world. Do you guys know we're not of this world? This is not our home. We have a heavenly home. We're just sojourners here. We're just passing through. And I think the sooner we grab a hold of that, the less attached we're going to be to this earth and more we'll be listening to the Holy Spirit and be available to him for him to move. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So it requires a humility, a humility in the spirit, okay? Not bowing to what others think you should do or what you, they think you should know, okay? Or some kind of pious religious spirit that, it, that uh, nobody can relate to. Uh, sometimes we uh, adopt attitudes based on Scripture to fit what we think God is saying, and it's not what God is saying at all. It's not what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's what we think God is saying. And then we get all religious about it. If somebody doesn't agree with this, well, they can't know the Lord. They're not a follower of Christ. And that's not the way the Lord works. Our God is a God of mercy, and he wants everybody to be one to Christ and to have a chance to know him. So we've got to have a, a position of humility and come underneath people and be willing to listen to what they have to say, even if we don't agree with them, okay? And I guess one of the um, examples that I can uh, use here that was probably one of the most difficult, one of the most difficult assignments I had was, um, um, I'll just say here another thing is true. It's good, very good to keep up on the news and what's happening in the world. It's hard to speak into a situation if you have no idea what's going on because you're so busy and wrapped up in everything else. I was um, reading in the newspaper, this was a few years ago, and, and um, at the time, there was a group of, uh, I think it was a group of Native people that were in Anchorage. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, they had put this thing in the Anchorage Daily News, and they were cursing our governor. I mean, they had demonic signs in the paper that they, that they actually published. They had specific curses they spoke out against them. So I'm reading this in, in my home in Palmer, and I thought, wow, this is not... This is not good. This is not the heart of God. This is demonic, you know. So the Lord told me, okay, I want you to go to Juno and address it. I thought, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> anyway, 
at the time, I had um, already been going to Juneau, and so I did have a place down there because um, our, uh, one of our legislators had an office. I believe Sandra was down there at the time, too. She was. She's done her head. And this particular legislator had a little office out in front because he was the head of a committee. So he let me use his office. So I went in there and I just started seeking the Lord. I thought, somehow i got to get into the governor's office. i got to address this because I felt that the Lord spoke to me. A demonic spirit has been re released against your governor. It needs to be broken. So anyway, what they have yearly in Juneau is they have a, a uh, welcoming uh, time for the legislators to go to the governor's mansion. And this was happening then. Well, I'm not a legislator. You know, people brought their wives. And um, uh, our, our legislator, Scott, was there, but his wife was. And I thought, maybe I can go with him, you know. So I, prop I proposed this to him. He said, well, you're not my wife. I said, I know I'm not your wife. I said, what if I go as a friend, you know. And, and uh, for the entire day, he fought and fought and fought. I, I approached a couple other people that I knew legislators asked him. None of them wanted to do it. Finally, at the last minute, he said, oh, all right. I suppose it could be important. I said, 